and welcome to the Development Podcast, coming to you from the World Bank Group in the United States and around the world. I'm Raka Banerjee alongside Paul Blake. Today, the informal sector, jobs and companies outside the line of sight of governments in emerging market and developing economies. There is ample evidence that countries with high informality have a whole host of development challenges. Higher poverty, lower per capita incomes, less progress towards the sustainable development goals, greater inequality, less human capital, weaker productivity investment, and weaker governance as well. We're diving into a new comprehensive analysis of informality, what it means for the COVID-19 recovery and economic development over the long term. And from Brazil, we hear from those working in the economic shadows. It was a tough job. Working conditions were terrible. Because this was such an unsanitary environment, people would often get sick. All that and more over the next few minutes. But first, let's take a look at the data. So before we jump into the data, can you sort of start us off uh, by first just saying, you know, what exactly is informality exactly? How is it defined? So when we talk about informality in terms of the informal sector, we're basically talking about things that are hidden from public authorities, right? So that can be goods, it can be services, anything related to the market or to production, right? So one way to think about it is anything that would be part of GDP normally if it were not hidden. So I'm, I'm picking up on that word hidden. What, explain to me why these goods and services are, are hidden from public authorities. Well, actually, there are a bunch of reasons. You know, it could just be to save money, just to avoid paying taxes or making contributions to Social Security. That's that's one reason. It could be to avoid heavy regulations if a country just has a lot of government bureaucracy and people just want to sidestep red tape. Uh, it could be if a country has a lot of corruption or a weak rule of law, you know, if the formal institutions and the government are not trusted, people might turn to informality. Um, it could also just be because of a lack of skills. You know, if, if workers don't have skills, don't have resources, you know, it makes it harder for them to find work in the formal sector. So they, you know, might end up, you know, just selling vegetables from their garden at the market. So that would be informal, too. But one thing I should say is that informal doesn't mean illegal. You know, it's it's work that would be legal, but it's not accounted for. So it would normally be part of GDP, but it isn't. What, what about something like child care? If, if you know, a, a teenager is, is, you know, looking to make a little extra cash and is babysitting the neighbor's kids, um, you know, while, while the parents are away. Uh, is, is would something like that count? So it, it depends, basically. Um, it's if it's if it's a paid service that normally would be part of GDP, you know, if if uh, like a, a, a nanny where you're, you know, normally would be uh, reporting that income, you know, to IRS, you know, but it's not being reported. That's that's informal sector. But if it's part of routine unpaid household labor, you know, like a teenager caring for their kids, their kids' siblings while, you know, the mother's away, that's not part of GDP. So that would be excluded. Okay. I, th I think I understand kind of what is and isn't informal. Explain to me how big of a deal this is globally. You know, I'm thinking it, it probably plays a pretty big role in lower income countries based on what you were saying about the, the definition of informality. Yeah, it's actually kind of a shocking difference. So in the recent World Bank report, the long shadow of informality, 
great name. Um, the authors find that while in advanced economies, the informal sector is about 20% of GDP and 16% of all employment. Uh, in contrast, they're looking at emerging markets and developing economies um, called EMDEs. And there, the informal sector accounts for a third of GDP and an astonishing 70% of all employment. So just to underline that, 20% of GDP, 16% of employment is informal in advanced economies. But in, in, in sort of EMDs, emerging markets, developing economies, the informal sector is a third of all GDP and it's 70% of all employment in those countries. I mean, that's, that's huge. It, it makes me think that they're, you know, probably some pretty big consequences when it comes to like governments collecting revenue, you know, tax revenue or, or other sort of forms of, of revenue. Um, when, when so much of this is taking place, uh, like so much of this informality is taking place in their economies. And I, I guess at the same time too, there's also like a chicken and egg thing. Like, like that informality is there because of, you know, the government, you know, how it is or, or because of policies it has and, and the government can actually contribute to higher levels of informality uh, in, in a country. Am I am I kind of onto something there? So it's hard to draw any, you know, causal directionality. So I mean, that's like, quite that's quite yeah. the phrase causal directionality. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's it. I mean, causality, right? Basically, is what we're talking about, All right. like which way it's going, <laughs> um, which chicken or egg, which is the so. <laughs> so when we can say that when countries have better governance and higher levels of, you know, human capital, financial resources, informality tends to be lower but which way it goes it's hard to say um but the authors compare compared government revenues um in countries that have above average informality with uh countries that have lower than average informality right just try to see um the difference in revenues between the two and revenues were five to twelve percent percentage points lower for countries that have um higher levels of informality Wow. So, so when a country has higher levels of informality, the government is bringing in less revenue, which means it's more limited in its ability to, I don't know, intervene in a crisis or, or you know, whether it's a natural disaster or, I don't know, a pandemic like the one we're in right now. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, not only does the government have, you know, less access to resources that it can mobilize against the our current pandemic or, you know, in, in more normal times to help build human capital, but the higher levels of informality also affect the workers, right? They're in a time of pandemic like now, they're they're not able to tap into formal systems of support, like social safety nets, unemployment, you know, pension funds, all of this stuff. So where what what regions, what parts of the world where do we see this most being an issue? How and, and how does how does informality vary across countries and regions? Looking um, regionally at the informal sector, when it comes to percentage of total employment, Sub-Saharan Africa has the highest level of informality um, at about sixty-two percent. Um, and then after that, we have South Asia, where informality is about fifty-nine percent. You know, and then it, it goes down from there. And on the low end. Uh, the Middle East and North Africa is the region with the, the least level of informality, uh, with less than a quarter of it, of employment being informal. Okay, hold on, hold on, I'm confused. So g- geek out with me on this. You, so earlier, well, hey, so you mentioned that Sub-Saharan Africa has the highest level of employment informality at 62%. But earlier we were saying that 
informality around the world accounted for more than 70% of unemployment. So how does how do those numbers add up? What's going on there? Yeah, I'm glad you caught that. Um, so <laughs> this is really where we get into data land. Um, so both the numbers are right, but they're using different definitions of informality. So uh, the data that the authors are relying on for the 70% statistic um, from the beginning they don't have good coverage like that data doesn't have good coverage when it comes to all countries over long periods of time so instead for the regional breakdowns they're looking at um, self-employment as a share of total employment which is a common a proxy for informality so basically these things always come down to the data that we have and the, the way that things are measured and that's why i'll put in a plug for why we need to invest in better data <laughs> <laughs> So just as we, we sort of wrap up here, how about other demographic characteristics? You know, do, do informal workers tend to be mostly men? Or are they mostly women? Is it pretty even? What, what, what's the data show there? So women are actually more likely to be inf employed informally than men. So 42% um, of all women workers are employed in the informal sector, and that's compared to 32% of men. Um, but in fact, in low-income countries, up to 92% of all employed women are working in the informal sector. So that's a huge number. And that's, that's again, different data. Let's see, looking at, the, that's from the International Labor Organization, the ILO. Uh, but what, what's really interesting is that, um, in my opinion, emerging markets that have higher levels of informal, informality also tend to have higher levels of gender inequality. So again, chicken and egg, but like they, they do seem to go hand in hand. Wow. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. <laughs> well, in a few minutes, we'll be talking to the World Bank's Franziska Onzolga about a new comprehensive analysis of informality. But first, we want to take you to Cidade Estrutural on the outskirts of Brasilia. The community was founded in the shadow of what was one of the largest trash dumps in Latin America. Members of the community long supported themselves by picking through the landfill, looking for items of value that could be resold or recycled. Today, it remains one of the poorest neighborhoods in Brazil's capital. The World Bank Group's Mariana Kuyper Sirachi found out that COVID-19 has pushed many in the community out of formal employment and into informality. Just 20 kilometers from the towering buildings and monuments of Brazil's capital city sits Cidade Estrutural, or Structural City in English. For decades, economic life in Estrutural has revolved around one piece of infrastructure, a trash dump. It's in this landfill that Abadia Teixeira worked for several years, picking over waste for anything of value. It was a tough job. Working conditions were terrible. Because this was such an unsanitary environment, people would often get sick. Abadia is one of the community's more fortunate residents, finding and seizing the opportunity to train as a seamstress. I've been working since I was very young. In addition to working with recycling, I've been a domestic worker, and later in life I was able to train as a seamstress. I've sewn custom garments for 30 years. In 2008, I started teaching sewing lessons to women in another neighborhood. The chance to teach her craft and the consistent income that it provided represented a boost in fortunes for Abadia. Then, COVID struck. Then the pandemic struck. 
and these courses, which provided me with a fixed income, were shut down. I now do piecemeal work from home. I make pillow covers and curtains, among other items, for people who already knew my work. I no longer get a salary. When you're an informal worker, if you don't do anything, you don't get paid anything. She's not alone. The pandemic has pushed many others in Cidade Estrutural back into informality. Abadia, who is also a community leader, estimates that 80% of her neighbors are informal workers. People are now selling candy and drinks at the bus stops. They are sewing masks, doing everything possible to earn a little money. They are recycling and selling aluminium cans, selling food. At every bus stop, you will see someone selling coffee or homemade bread, for example. But considering the infrastructure here is so poor, you can imagine how hard it is to keep good cooking hygiene. While specific data on how COVID-19 has impacted informal workers is still forthcoming, research from the World Bank Group and others suggests that the pandemic has been particularly severe on the informal sector, with informal workers more likely to lose their jobs or suffer severe income losses during lockdowns. This can prove devastating for informal workers, who are largely excluded from formal social safety nets, have low incomes and limited buffers, such as savings or access to government support programs. I always say that Cidade Estructural is a microcosm of Brazil. Unemployment rates and hunger are very high today. Many people are dying of several diseases. Women are the most impacted because they have to do domestic work on top of everything else. But men are also struggling to find jobs. But Abadia and the residents of Cidade Estrutural aren't given up. She and her neighbors have organized to get funding from a public scientific institution called Fiocruz. They now put their sewing and craft skills to work, designing and producing masks, soap, and other goods to help protect their community from the virus. This project has benefited the community for at least three months. We made 2,500 masks, 500 kilos of bar soap, and 500 liters of liquid soap, and we distributed them to the community. It was a great experience. The initiative, known as Healthy and Sustainable Estrutural Committee, has proven successful and is now moving to a second phase, one preparing the community for life after the pandemic, teaching residents how to grow their own edible gardens, among other skills, skills that could prove useful as cash transfer schemes fall short of supporting the informal workers like those in Cidade Estrutural. Mariana Kaiper Serati for the World Bank Group in Brasilia, Brazil. Thanks to Abagia for sharing her story and to Mariana for sending it to us. This is the Development Podcast from the World Bank Group. We'll be right back. We've gotten the view from informal workers in Brazil whose economic security has been further threatened by the pandemic. 
But what are some of the broader implications of informality? Just how widespread is informal employment? And what does it mean for economic development around the globe? To get answers to these questions and more, we recently spoke with Franziska Onzolga. She's the manager of the World Bank's Prospects Group, which recently completed a new report analyzing informality around the world. We started by asking her to paint a picture of informal workers, who they are, and the types of jobs they perform. Okay, what we consider an informal worker is someone who is active in a legal activity. It's someone who is conducting a market-based activity, but who just happens to be out of the sight of the government. So it has to be legal. So the drug dealer is not informally employed. He's illegal. <laughs> yeah? right. That's not informal employment. It has to be market-based. So you go into a neighbor and mowing the lawn, that is not informal employment. The informal economy has lots of faces. And in part, that's because there's so many different reasons to join the informal sector. So for some, working in the informal sector is a choice. But for others, it's a last resort. Some are self-employed. That's about half of those working in the informal sector. Others are subsistence farmers or they're actually informal employees even. Generally, women are more likely to be informally employed, much more likely to be informally employed. And also informal workers tend to be younger, they tend to be lower skilled, and they tend to be less experienced. And they are generally also lower paid. Mm -hmm. In fact, on average, informal workers are paid 19% less than formal workers. And this gap really largely reflects their lack of experience and their, their lower skills. But I understand that the informal sector had actually been shrinking before the pandemic. How did the, the pandemic, how did COVID-19 impact the informal sector around the globe? Yeah, that's right. Over the past three decades, the share of informal output in GDP has fallen by about seven percentage points. It's now about one third of GDP in the average EMDE. Informal employment, another aspect of informality, has also fallen by 10 percentage points over these three decades. And that has all been embedded in this broader development process where per capita incomes have been rising, and extreme poverty has been falling rapidly. Now, your second question, has COVID disrupted this declining trend? Well, the, the 2020 data will not be available for a while, not for at least another year, if not more. But we do know that the informal sector was hit hard by the pandemic. And that's in part because so much of it is concentrated in services, where foot traffic, consumer foot traffic simply plummeted. Just bear in mind that almost three quarters of firms in the services sector are informal in the average EMD. Three quarters. That compares with about one third in manufacturing. And so talk to us about how, you know, the, the more kind of um, on the ground impacts, like how were informal uh, workers impacted by the pandemic? Can you give us kind of any anecdotal evidence, even, even yeah, if the yeah. data kind of isn't available for another year or so? Yes, this is. They, they, the informal workers and informal firms just as much they faced a particularly severe shock because they were all employed. So many of them are employed in the services sector. But they also had very few buffers to fall back on to absorb this shock. So many couldn't switch from in-person to online operation. In fact, uh, you may remember these World Bank Group phone surveys to, to households and firms in about 100 emerging markets and developing economies showed that it was large and formal firms that managed to switch the operations online much more, to a much greater extent than the smaller informal ones. Many of them couldn't access government support systems. Almost by definition, informal workers are typically not covered by social security. 
And these social security programs are very threadbare in countries with high informality. So take, for example, the average emerging market and developing economy with above median, so in the upper half, by informality. Only 4% of the population in these countries is covered by social security, by unemployment benefits. So there's very little government support that they could access. In these countries also, there was much less fiscal and monetary stimulus to, to just buffer the economic shock. So generally, their economies were more exposed. Fiscal support packages were smaller. And then if you look at monetary policy stimulus, it was blunted. Because monetary policy stimulus operates through the formal financial system. But informal firms and workers typically don't access the formal financial system. So, for example, in, again, in these emerging markets and developing econ economies with above median informality, just about 19%, less than a fifth of firms, can access formal bank financing for their investment needs. It's much less, 10 percentage points less than in other EMDs. So whatever monetary stimulus was put in place in these countries just didn't reach. And so you're talking about the informal sector. The, the, the wealthier section of EMDs have these sort of dire statistics. I imagine it's even worse for the, the, the less wealthy, the lower income countries in that group. Well, informality is particularly high in, uh, in low income countries. I and mean, it's, it's, it's really very strongly associated with development. Uh, the largest informality is where <laughs> per capita incomes are the lowest. This is a very simple proxy. But another thing you have to bear in mind is that informal workers themselves, so, so what we spoke about were the, the government support systems, the help that came from outside. But there's also very little help inside the households where informal workers work, because they themselves have very few savings to fall back on in, in times of distress. So for example, if you take again these countries with the worst informality, one third of the population says that they would be driven to poverty if they have to cover out of their pocket direct payments for some healthcare emergency. And that's exactly what COVID-19 does. It drives people into healthcare emergencies. I'm wondering if, is it fair to say that this pandemic has widened the inequality within countries between workers in the formal and informal sector? So there is a lot of evidence that some aspect of this is happening or has happened, even if we don't have the informal, uh, informal data yet, the informal economy data yet. But this is happening well beyond the informal sector. Yeah, in, in particular, there is quite a bit of evidence that now shows that the sectors where workers have the lowest average earnings face some of the most stringent lockdowns in 2020. So the shock to their, their, their livelihoods was much more to those that are employed in these sectors, and they happen to be lower wage. We've showed that in our other flagship report for the June 2020 Global Economic Prospects. It, I just want to, I don't want to dwell too much on it, but when we talk about um, the impact of informality on governments and public policy, we were talking about, um, we, we spoke previously about uh, limited access of, of informal firms and, and informal workers to, to uh, social safety nets. The other side of that coin is, is governments and their ability That's to collect right. revenue. Can you explain um, the impact on government revenues and expenditure by uh, the presence of, of informal uh, industry? That's exactly one of the, the crucial bottlenecks at the moment. Governments of countries with high informality simply have fewer resources to spend. 
overall their revenues over the 2000s over the past two decades their revenues have been five to 12 percentage points of gdp lower than in other emerging markets and developing emds and of course these lower revenues are reflected also in lower spending and which type of lower spending well is education and health Actually, over the past two decades, it's exactly those EMD, emerging markets and developing economies with above median informality that have had about one third number of doctors and nurses per thousand people, of course, than other emerging markets and developing economies. So that, that lack of government resources in these economies has, has eroded exactly the services that would, the government services that would now be needed to fight the pandemic, but is also eroding their ability to implement support packages because they, they just don't have the revenues to finance them. You know, zooming out to the big question that we asked at the top of this podcast, is there evidence that the informal sector increases global inequality, uh, that basically that countries that have higher levels of informality do less well around the world? There is an ample evidence that countries with high informality have a whole host of development challenges. Informality is associated with higher poverty, lower per capita incomes, less progress towards the sustainable development goals. There are many of them. Greater inequality, less human capital, weaker productivity investment, and perhaps that's the most important, weaker governance as well. So take, for example, just to illustrate one of these factors, Take, for example, those emerging markets and developing economies, again, that have above median informality. In 2018, which is our latest data point, those countries had 26% of their populations living in extreme poverty. That's a quarter. A quarter of their populations were living in extreme poverty. That's much more than the 7% of the population in other emerging markets and developing economies. So yes, informality, widespread informality is associated with whole long list of development uh, challenges. T take me back to basics here, though. I mean, you've kind of hinted at this throughout, but what are some of the, the factors when you're looking at all these different countries, and, and obviously they have kind of different dynamics in each one, but what are some of the, the common thread between them? What are some of the factors that help an informal sector flourish? What are some of the, the regional trends you've seen? And, and what are some of those kind of um, common across the board factors that cause a, a, a informal sector to, to thrive? <laughs> what is common? across all emerging markets and developing economy regions is that there is a lot of informal activity. In some regions, it's more about output, a lot of output being produced informally. In other regions, more about a lot of employment, low productivity employment, uh, that, that is informal. So for example, this output informality is highest in Europe and Central Asia in these countries. Right. One thing that's so interesting is that I know that the ILO, the International Labour Organization, recently changed its definition of, uh, of employment to exclude subsistence, subsistence agriculture. Um, so, but that's, are they still being counted within the we way are counting them as informal. <laughs> we are counting them as informal and we're counting them in total employment as well because they have, they, they have an activity. So maybe not employment in the formal sense of an employment contract, but they are employed in the same way as, an, uh, as a self-employed professional. Would be. So for all purposes, they're defined as employment. But there is another kind of so you you started you brought up also this difference in the types of informality across regions, and we spoke already about this large these large agricultural sectors that drive informality in South Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa. 
But elsewhere in other regions, there are others, other facets of informality that are important. So for example, in Europe and Central Asia and Latin America and the Caribbean, but also parts of the Middle East and North Africa, informality in good measure reflects heavy regulatory and tax burdens. Yeah, that is so just heavy handed regulation in, in the backdrop of weak institutions. If I'm understanding, is that sort of this idea that um, the regulation is, is so complicated or burdensome? Essentially, let's say you and I come up with a business idea. We say, you know what, let's just do this off the books because it's too complicated or too expensive or, or just too burdensome in some way to go register and, and figure out all the tax codes and figure out all the kind of regulatory environment. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Yes, that's the spirit. Yeah. So that formal activity is just very costly. It's just very costly to comply with all these regulations and taxes. And it's just very costly. And it discourages people from being formally employed. And because there is widespread corruption in some of them, institutions are weak, this is an option. So this is the kind of informality that is a choice. Whereas in much of South, Af South Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa, this large agricultural uh, informal employment is often not a choice. It's just very difficult for these informal employees to switch to formal employment. In, in general, you were referring to the you know, other, other areas outside of Sub-Saharan Africa and um, Asia. Do you see a pretty strong correlation between um, the regulation, regulatory burden and informality? Just, uh, the levels, do the levels hold pretty constant if you're comparing those? Yes, there, there is a correlation. And we show that in, in one of the chapters of our, in our book, actually, in, in detail. But you have to bear in mind that there are really these two types of informality. There is the type that where it's a choice, and that is often about regulation. And there is the type where there is really not much choice, where informal employment mm -hmm. is, a, is a last resort. And that is not so much about regulation. This is about education. This is about access to fertilizers and resources, and this is about access to finance. It's a very different kind of challenge. So, so less choice, more kind of desperation in, in some of these instances. You, you mentioned earlier that there was some success in reducing informality before the pandemic. Um, what, what was driving that? What are some of the most effective uh, policy responses to help informal workers and, and, and help, I guess, governments reduce the level of informality uh, within their economies? Yes, that's the million dollar question. If there is a silver bullet for reducing informality, it has yet to be found. What countries have often found instead is unintended consequences. And those happened especially when programs were narrowly drawn and when they were very short term. They, they sort of tried a short term fix. Generally, the most successful strategies for reducing informality have been those that were very comprehensive, tailored to country circumstances, and embedded in these long-term development strategies. And that's important because there's so many reasons for informality that we've already discussed. And many of these reasons are really deeply ingrained in the fabric of economies. And very so, specific to those economies. I exactly. Imagine, what you're yeah. So for those workers and firm, firms for, who informality is, is a choice, you might want to prioritize streamlining and better enforcing regulations and have better governance, governance that to encourage them to move to the formal sector. So reduce the cost of being formally employed, but also give a bit of a, a push to move to the formal sector. Create but of some course, incentive. that would not help those workers and firms for which informality is that last resort, no, which just, who just cannot be productive in the formal economy. 
And for them, you are talking about better human capital, easier access to resources, and just generally broader social safety nets that can encourage them to move to the formal sector. That makes sense. And what about supporting the, the formal sector with regards to the pandemic? Are there ways that policymakers can help uh, businesses flourish? Yes. In, in the end, these measures to allow the formal sector to flourish are critical to lowering informality. And that, that it means removing all the obstacles that now motivate people to go into the informal sector. Mm-hmm. So whether it's heavy-handed regulation or corruption or lack of education. But the good news is that a lot of the reforms we just discussed, they would, of course, not only lower for informality, but they would also promote growth in the formal sector. Franziska Onsulga is the manager of the World Bank's Prospects Group. That's it for this edition of the Development Podcast. I've got to say, I was really struck by Abigail's story. I mean, it just what an incredible person to uh, have gone from working in, in landfills to, to becoming a seamstress. Um, and, you know, then it just the whole thing underscores how devastating the pandemic has been for the, the poorest and most vulnerable. Absolutely. And a huge thanks to Mariana for sending us that story and illustrating the on the ground realities of informality and what it really feels like to be informally employed. For sure. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, do drop us a line. We love getting your emails. We're at the development podcast at worldbank.org. Until next time. Goodbye. Bye.